Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. It is another edition of Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. As always, I'm your host, Ian, joined by Philip and Kyle. How are we doing, guys? Doing great, Ian. Glad to see you. You too, Phil. Yeah, it's Friday. Friday. My allergies are destroying me right now. So if I sneeze, I'm sorry. It's okay. okay. But we're talking wearables. And so maybe there's a wearable that will help with my allergies, Kyle. Yeah, I don't know about that. All right. I don't know. That's about not everything great. else. Yeah. 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 So I'm a huge wearables guy. For anyone who's listening to this show or our other podcast, Don't Change the Channel, I talk about wearables constantly. And I have two of them on currently. So that might be one too many, but maybe that's what we're going to learn today. But why don't we start where we always start, Kyle? Let's go back. When did wearables begin? Who discovered them? (laughs) Yeah, well, you're the resident expert today. I think uh, Phil and I are just going to sit back and, I mean, who, who knows best about wearables and somebody that's wearing two. And this will be a short show if I'm the expert. <laughs> I will say that you've been wearing two for quite a while. So you're not doing it just to pander to today's topic. This is just part of who Ian is. Big data guy. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, where they came from, when they started, I'd say it's probably more of a recent phenomenon than some of the other topics that we've talked about. Uh, but you also have a really hard time drawing the line of, when did wearable technology really start? I mean, we've been wearing phones and pagers <laughs> on our belts for years. I don't think that really counts, but the Vogue ones, the you got both. You got a you got both brand names represented on your wrist there, but you get Apple Watches and Fitbits and things like that have been around for a while. We started to see patents registered for uh, wearable technology back in the early teens. So it's like I said, it's been a recent phenomenon driven largely by convenience and our generations of people that just want to buy cool gadgets that do maybe just one thing, but they're like super cool gadgets that do that one thing. The easy ones that we all know as consumers are the the watches. There's lots of jewelry, lots of there's a big fashion element to wearable technology. But this is also uh, adjacent to our IoT topic for sure, because uh, sensors and safety gear and things like that have been around for quite a while, but that's not a, that's not a consumer product. So Ian, you have two. What's the difference? What are you wearing and what's the two? What's the difference? Like, what are you getting from one you're not getting from the other? So I have an Apple Watch and a Fitbit. The real reason I wear two is I got an Apple Watch for Christmas and unknowingly, I bought my mother a Fitbit last year at some point, and she never, like, Fitbit has a, so. I mean, I guess all wearables have a social component where you can follow and track people and compete. It'd been a year, and she'd never added me, so I was like, I got an Apple Watch, I'm going to get rid of the Fitbit. And then at Christmas, I was mentioned that I was going to stop wearing it, and she got upset, and that she apparently had just figured out how to start following my statistics. So I do it really just for that. But I also love sleep data and I charge the Apple Watch at night and the Fitbit has a battery life of about seven days. So I wear the Fitbit at night. So I know how terrible I sleep each night. 
So you wear it for the community aspect of it. I, 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 that, I was hoping that's what you'd say because I was like, if he goes in a different direction, I don't know the difference between these. But I, I did have a Fitbit once, and I just kept getting my, my butt kicked in all the, the competitions. I just refused to play anymore. But What's interesting is the data is slightly different too. So like my resting heart rate, I think, is a beat off on each one. The step count is about 1,000 more. If I hit 10,000, I'm at like nine on the Apple Watch. If I hit 10 on the Fitbit. So there is some slight, I would say, analytical differences that I am sure is why all of the fitness gurus tell you not to trust wearables. That's right. It's only as good as the technology that's built into it, right? Yeah. So I imagine there are some real world use cases here, Kyle. The one that I feel like I could think of right away would be like patient care at hospitals. Yep. When you get out of the consumer realm, yeah, there's there's healthcare, there's safety. Yeah, business cases, I guess, is more of where I should have said there. <laughs> so, like, to my the point right there, like, the data isn't as accurate as I would like it to be today. Are there more accurate devices that are being used in a business case, or are we still kind of in the infancy stage here, where we're going to continue? This is going to continue to get better and better, and we'll see more and more of an implementation on the kind of business side. Yeah, on the on the business side, the technology is much better than the consumer grade stuff. I mean, you, you, we're talking these the Fitbit and Apple brands right now, but I mean, those are consumer products that have to be affordable in order to get uh, you know market penetration. Whereas in the healthcare world, for instance, there are heart rate monitors. There's there's glucose monitors. There's all kinds of medical or health devices that become wearable, and they're not priced like consumer products. They're priced like medical equipment. So the technology in those, yeah, a a lot more trustworthy, I guess is maybe the right word, more designed for the purpose. Uh, Your Apple Watch is designed for multi-purpose. It's got a heart rate monitor on it. By the way, that was one of the coolest things I learned about the Apple Watch is if you ever flip it over, if you see green lights on the back, that green light is it measuring your heart rate. So your blood reflects red light, but it absorbs green light. So if you see green light on the back of your watch, that's it actively monitoring your heart rate right then. It also, yeah, there you go. This is green. It was. Fitbit. Yep. So yeah. So in the medical world, you've got much less consumer grade technology and much more robust technology there so that you can trust those devices. I think one of the coolest things I've seen in the wearable technology world in healthcare are connected contact lenses, which use the same electromagnetic concept as pin and chip on your credit card to power the contact lens. And uh, they use it to measure glucose levels. So you can actually measure the glucose level of the wearer through their tears. So wearing connected contact lenses, you can actively monitor, a diabetic can actively monitor the glucose level without doing a, a finger stick. So anyway, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of different technology and use in, in those those worlds. So that was going to be where I went next, and you took it somewhere I didn't expect you to go. When you said contact lens, I thought heads-up display. <laughs> so there's a lot of nexts, I feel like. I mean, we've joked before on this show about everything my Apple Watch is eventually just going to be built into my wrist. But I feel like there's some in-betweens here. And I feel like like a heads-up display in a contact lens, like almost Google Glass, but contact lens feels very tangibly a, an easy leap. 
not easy for the record. I don't know anything about technology and how we're going to get there. God <laughs> bless the people who do. But it feels like that's a sensible next step for where we're going. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you have augmented reality glasses now. I mean, Google Glass, as an example. And that's a wearable technology that is a little bit of whatever the frame of your glasses are made out of with a small chip or a small, very, very miniature computer built into the glasses that you wear that will give you that heads-up display experience in augmented reality. They exist in contact lens form too. So all you've done is eliminate the frame and made the glass a lot thinner and the microprocessor a lot smaller, but it exists. The technology's there to do it. That's one of the up-and-coming future technologies. Yeah, and I think there's a, we're starting to see a lot of it in sports as well. I'm transitioning here to a kind of a different future where, I mean, the NFL Combine, they do kind of the wearables on the shirt, and that's monitoring heart rate and all of that. You've heard stories of Chip Kelly, the head coach at UCLA now, but when he was at Oregon, tracking you know player stress levels throughout the day and all of that with different heart rate and different monitors. So it's interesting because as I say this, it's kind of IoT, but in a human sense. Like we have all these sensors, like we have a refrigeration sensor to make sure that the Moderna vaccine is staying in its stable temperature as it gets distributed. Shout out to Cisco for that. But this is more of a the same technology being applied to monitor human characteristics. Yep. Yeah, the connected football player is, an, is another very topical, great example. It already exists. It's here. You know, we've heard a lot in the news and in sports media about concussion protocols. And so there, there's lots of sensors built into helmets now. And you can track all that data and you can tell how hard somebody's hit. Even in the pads that they're wearing, you can sense things like impact. But not only that, but just how the wearer walks afterwards or as they get tired they start to slump like you can get all of that data out of these things just by wearing them and that's another real world technology the real cool adaptation of that is when we start having that data displayed to the viewer like in a real game that's got to be on the horizon like people would pay extra to be able to see things like speeds like pop up on a hud yeah you get that after but you're right like live would be awesome yeah that's right yep yep so as you kind of like think through that, is there a, because you can obviously track individuals, like, you know, what's the security built into something like this? Or is there anything built into this that I couldn't just track Ian if I could get access to, you know, what he's wearing? I could track him anywhere I want. I know when he left the house, I know when to rob him. Yep. It's a connected device. I mean, I, I've got a new uh, security system at home that if I leave the house and drive away from it, I'll get a push notification on my phone telling me that. I have left the premises and did not set the alarm. So it knows. I mean, it's coming off my smartphone, so it's got geolocation in it. But, I mean, all this exists. That same technology exists in wearable technology in your watch. I mean, Apple Watch, you can use Find My iPhone or Find My Device. That thing's got geolocation built into it. Anything that's connected to an internet, you can technically track geolocation is a little harder unless the device is specifically built for it. Otherwise, we would be able to find hackers like that. But the more complex the network, the less feasible it is to find the specific device and the less it's trying to be found. I do think that's a... So today, Phil, I feel like it's not as much of an issue only because there isn't as much control, right? So we've talked a lot about like 
edge computing and stuff, like if you put power there and, and control there, then it's an issue. But right now, all it's doing is monitoring my heart rate and activity levels. And like, yeah, I can text with like through it, but it's, there's not that much that you could kind of use maliciously. But I feel like if this continues to evolve and more gets put into here, you're right. Like, what can people control through a wearable device? And that's where I think security does become a concern. Yeah, and it depends on what's providing the network connection too. So if you've got a wearable device that's connected to 5G, of course that's trackable. That's the whole point. It's a cellular network. A Fitbit, for instance, that just pairs using Bluetooth technology to your phone, it's only as good as the location of your phone. So right when we got on here, we were talking about how y'all got haircuts. And Kyle, you mentioned that there was a wearable device in the form of a wig. Where Explain might Philip be able to purchase said device? <laughs> no, I need a toupee. I don't need the whole thing down the side. I, yeah, I, I'm good. But A, how'd you happen upon this? And B, what does it do? Like, what is, I mean, at some point there's like, why do you need a connected wig? Yeah, that's right. I, this is a, my opinion, Kyle's opinion. This was Sony just trying to figure out if they could. This was technology that was patented uh, back in 2013. The device, the wig, the smart wig has a bunch of sensors built into it. It's, it's essentially a haptic device. So as you're wearing it, certain things like a text message coming through your phone, you'll get a buzz through the smart wig on your scalp. Or if you're using a map to navigate somewhere, you might get sensations through the wig to tell you that you're moving in the wrong direction. Like it's that kind of just novelty technology. There isn't a, uh, a real world application for it that I could see would be worthwhile. Like I said, I think this was just Sony going, let's see if we could. The other one I ran across was a, it was described as a tattoo that was a lie detector. And I thought, Okay, hang on. So not a tattoo, but it's a sticker, essentially, that you can wear. And if you wear it in the right spot and it's on your pulse, then you can trigger readings if you're lying, that your pulse does certain things. Like, it's, that, it's a novelty thing that somebody decided they just wanted to see if they could, they could make technology do what they wanted to. But we all, um, I found it, Phil, not because I was trying to find a hairpiece, but because I was investigating wearable technology yeah well to, to be fair the two of you have a hair that you have a 10 on a scale of zero to 10 when it comes to hair so i, I give you up now I don't, neither one of y'all doesn't seem to grow a beard so i can i can win there but talking about that though and i've noticed this in a lot of wearables and i actually have my my daughter have a you know, just a couple week old baby has a thing called an outlet which just you know goes on her foot and it reads heart rate and stuff like that but one of the big hindrances to it is the battery and just the length of time. And so, you know, as we kind of obviously there's other technologies that will get better and better. They're always going to be hindered by the fact that their size and the battery and the power. Is there any future coming that's just going to commercially, at least because it's expensive? Yeah, it's got to. This, this is technology that's evolved. This being like battery life and the processing power inside the devices the higher the processing needed, the more power is needed. If you think about, again, I, I talked about pin and chip earlier, but your credit card that's got a, a chip in it, there's actually a microprocessor inside your credit card. Well, you never charge your credit card. It doesn't have a battery, but it's using electro 
magnets, uh, electromagnetism, to power the very, very small computer that's inside your credit card. So when you get that device near a payment terminal, it experiences an electromagnetic field and that powers your credit card, powers the processor. So there's a bunch of wearable technology that's like that. Those connected contact lenses are very similar, although you do have to take them out to charge them. You're not going to lean over some EMF and just hope that your eyeballs charge. You do have to take them out. But yeah, the smaller the technology physically, the smaller the technology, the smaller and more condensed batteries have to be. And just chemical elements of batteries can only get so small and still hold the charge. So you've got things like Ringly. You know, there's rings that you can buy that are, again, just like your credit card. They just have a small loop of copper inside of them that you charge, but you have to charge them every day. You can really only wear them for about four hours. And those are largely just there for payment devices and and to get notifications from time to time. But there's a lot of wearable jewelry, fashion jewelry that have sensors in them. The batteries don't last more than a day. So Ian's Fitbit will go seven days because it's got a larger physical footprint than a, than a ring would, but it's also not doing much. It's just u- using accelerometers to measure his steps and uh, every now and then check his, his heart rate. So again, the more processing power, the more battery you need, the smaller the device, the smaller the battery, the shorter the charge. Technology is not going to be able to overcome physics in the sense of these small devices. So I'm going to tie some things together here. All right, let's do it. Continuity time. So thinking through, I, I feel like healthcare is such a tie-in here. So we talked 3D printing and how that's going to be more prevalent in a recent episode. So could we see prosthetics become 3D printed with wearable, like not wear, I guess we're not, we're, we're kind of expanding beyond wearables here if it's a prosthetic, I guess. So maybe I'm boring the lines too much. But putting sensors that tell degradation or need for replacement down the line. Yep. You won't be able to 3D print the sensor. No, no, no. I meant the prosthetic. Yep. Yep. So you could add the sensor to the prosthetic, print the prosthetic, add the technology to it. Yeah. You can get all kinds of... Do what? I said it was a reach, okay? I just wanted to connect things. No, it was good. It's Because that's, again, we talked in the in the uh, printable one, we talked about printing organs. And so, yeah, I mean, the technology is here to start doing some of these more connected devices, even when the device is inside body. So, yes, short answer is, yeah, that's coming in. Absolutely can be done. Last question, for me at least. And Phil, this is, I should have brought this up earlier because it might have been where you were going. So thinking through like just security from a like power, like operational standpoint is one thing, but I think data privacy and maybe Phil, that was where you were going and I'm sorry, is a huge concern. Today, again, if someone knows my heart rate and how many work minutes I work out a day, great, don't really care. But if we're going down the line and we're going to have heads up display contact lenses or I know Elon Musk is working on some Neuralink thing that's going to be, you know, telepathic typing and all that. Well, that's where we start getting into kind of problematic territory, in my opinion, of data, because now we're not just talking about activity rate, you know, data. We're talking about thoughts and we're talking about the ability to communicate and contextualize things. So I guess, Philip, you're right. Security to me feels like it is a huge concern now. 
Yeah, well, you gave your example earlier of the Fitbit and uh, you using it for the community aspect to it. You chose to share that data, right? And all of us that have social media profiles, we choose to share all this information publicly. So I don't, I think that the element of the privacy and how today's consumer is willing to sacrifice privacy for convenience is really going to make a lot more data available than we historically have seen. Now, the real concern becomes what happens if you don't give up your rights to that data? How much of what's out there that's public, like your phone, just walking down the street, your phone pings off the cell towers. You didn't choose to give up that data, but we know where you are because you're you're moving through a network. So or the same thing. they get hacked, right? So let's say I don't want to share my data and I say no to all those checkboxes. That's fine. But let's say neur- I have a Neuralink in 10 years and they get hacked. Well, it didn't matter what I wanted now, did it? Yeah, yeah. The, the cybersecurity part, the the uh, protecting data against bad actors, that's always going to be a concern. And the more data we generate as a society, the larger the attack vector gets for bad actors. But you're right. From a feature set standpoint, though, if you're like, well, yeah, I want to be able to, the whole point of wearable technology is I get to know more about myself and it facilitates, you know, Instead of me guessing how many calories I have to burn a day, I kind of know within a given margin of error. So yeah, I want all these things. And as that those benefits continue to evolve, so does the level of convenience. But then you're right. So does the data that I'm essentially willing to share as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you also have all these applications too in the workplace safety that you're forcing someone to wear a sensor that is collecting data and transmitting the data back. It's not a choice of theirs. And the data is consumed and actions are taken against it. Like, you know, as an example, wearing a vest that's got a sensor in it when you're working on an oil rig that protects you from falling items. There's shoes that have sensors in them that can measure whether or not your gait changes because you've become fatigued on the line of a manufacturing plant. Like all these things that are safety concerns, the people that are being monitored didn't choose it. Well, I mean, I guess they chose it by working there, but they didn't necessarily choose to give up that data on themselves. Uh, It's part of the part of the job. So yeah, lots of data, obviously, with great data comes great responsibility. Yeah. And if you think about I'm thinking about like my Alexa downstairs, that for some reason, I say something. And two days later, for some reason, it's every ad on my cell phone. And how that data is used is like, you know, whomever comes out with a wearable contact and all of a sudden I've got advertisements for things that I stared at. I stared at for too long. So now I got an advertisement and heaven forbid they get hacked and I'm getting pop ups in my glasses. Like, you know, like I just see some like hilarious world where it's like you stared at something for too long. And so, yeah. Well, I did. Uh, speaking of hilarious new worlds, I did see an article about wearable solar panels. Back to your how do you charge your devices? The technology is right around the corner to have the solar panel technology we see in yards and on roofs of houses in a small enough form factor that you can wear it. And so you can constantly charge your devices all day long. That's the future right there. You're going to have the Apple Watch will be built in your wrist. You'll have contact lenses and they'll both charge through your body that connects to a solar panel that's on the top of your head. Can't wait. Yeah, I, I would think you probably, like, I really, somebody should Google it. You could probably find a hat somewhere. Somebody's put a 
solar panel in a bill of a hat. I'm sure it's super stylish too. Yeah, and you just take that and plug it into your you know cell phone in your back pocket and you're good to go. We need to give those away at our next event. Ian. It's like the 2021 version of the propeller hat. It's not yeah, a solar panel. A solar panel on the top. This is brilliant. Which also could have technically generated power had they plugged it up. So there you go. Yes, miniature wind turbine. All right. Well, that's wearables. We got scary again. Somehow that's where we <laughs> end up in all these. <laughs> Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco WebEx. Cisco WebEx is a platform 95% of Fortune 500 companies use for their collaboration needs. WebEx Meetings brings people from all over the globe together. It's like being there in person even when you can't be. Join from any device and get HD quality audio and video and even share your screen. From online meetings to whiteboarding to file sharing with the whole team, work progresses with WebEx. It's how millions do their best teamwork. 